Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Wednesday, March 11th. I am Kyle Hilliard. Here's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. After a number of rumors and all kinds of speculation last night, E3 has officially been canceled this morning, and Mike Futter stops by to discuss the announcement. 2K will be making football games again, but don't expect a return to the ESPN NFL 2K series. Spelunky 2 gets a small update, and Ori and the Will of the Wisps is out today. E3 has officially been canceled. After a number of rumors circulating last night from reporters from Ars Technica, as well as Patrick Klepek from Waypoint, the news scoop master himself, Jason Schreier from Kotaku, and former Game Informer news editor Mike Futter, who we will hear from in a bit, the ESA made it official this morning that E3 has been canceled. Here's the full statement from the ESA's website about the cancellation. After careful consultation with our member companies regarding the health and safety of everyone in our industry, our fans, our employees, our exhibitors, and our longtime E3 partners, we have made the difficult decision to cancel E3 2020 scheduled for June 9th to 11th in Los Angeles. Following increased and overwhelming concerns about the COVID-19 virus, we felt this is the best way to proceed during such an unprecedented global situation. We are very disappointed that we are unable to hold this event for our fans and supporters, but we know it's the right decision based on the information we have today. Our team will be reaching out directly to exhibitors and attendees with information about providing full refunds. We are also exploring options with our members to coordinate an online experience to showcase industry announcements and news in June 2020. Updates will be shared on e3expo.com. We thank everyone who shared their views on reimagining E3 this year. We look forward to bringing you E3 2021 as a reimagined event that brings fans, media, and the industry together in a showcase that celebrates the global video game industry. Mike Futter, thanks for calling in. Well, thank you very much for having me. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Um, so last night you were tweeting, you had some tweets about E3 getting canceled. Like you had a lot of uh, sources who were coming to you saying it was going to happen. And then lo and behold, this morning, there's a, a statement from the ESA about E3 getting canceled. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. What do you think? What does it mean for the, the broader industry here? Sure. It was a weird thing that happened because... Uh, I had actually spoken to a source yesterday morning uh, about another piece of the E3 story that I'm chasing. And that person told me, hey, I'm, I'm expecting that there's going to be a cancellation this week. And around 7 o'clock last night, I had three or four DMs within five minutes of each other. What are you hearing about E3? And it kind of came out because I started poking around a little bit more that, yes, it was going to be canceled. Yes, it was going to be tomorrow morning, so this morning. Uh, from the ESAs, you know, for the ESA, I, I actually see this as a potentially good thing. Um, yes, it has ramifications for the industry. 
I think that, um, especially because there is some news about uh, other announcements or other newer things that were going to happen. I think Jason Schreier tweeted something about WB potentially doing a press conference. Um, I don't really have any information about that. But if that's the case, every time you've got a new entrant into that aspect of the pre-E3 excitement, and suddenly that's not happening, that's got to be really rough for them. Uh, I, I think from the ESA's perspective, though... You, know, you had Jeff Keeley, who had been doing the Coliseum and had been coordinating Judges Week, and suddenly he's backed out. And the subtext there was things are not – well, it wasn't even subtext. He pretty much came right out and said, I'm not cool with the direction. Uh, there was, I believe, an interview that even said that they didn't even get to the conversation about money, that it was – he just really wasn't happy with the with the direction of the show. Then there was I Am 8-Bit, who had come on – as creative directors, and suddenly, I think it was last week, they're like, you know what, we're out. And that was really strange. So suddenly you have a show that's gone through two major transitions before it's even gotten off the ground in terms of explaining what it was going to be. Now, there was a story that uh, that I broke on Game Daily last year. Someone had had provided to me, and I was able to confirm the legitimacy of a PowerPoint deck about E3 2020, where they talked about turning it into these like entertainment hubs or these activation hubs, and then having cutainment so that people who are waiting in long, you know, the public who are waiting in long lines to, to play games had something to entertain them. So right now, I feel like the show is in disarray. I feel like the show didn't have a whole lot of direction. Um, the direction that we did know of, whether through the white space around Jeff's withdrawal and then I am 8-bit um, backing out, and then that PowerPoint deck didn't feel very good. E3's been going through an identity crisis in general. So you know, maybe this is the best thing. This is uh, the the virus, which of course is a terrible thing. People are dying. People are sick. I, you know, in general, it's a very, a very bad thing. It's bad for the economy. It's bad for our industry. It's bad directly for the big players um, and people who now have to scramble in order to uh, figure out how to get some of their their money back. Their purchase orders that I, I imagine that people were holding on to and not signing uh, in you know, preparing for this to potentially uh, come down as a cancellation. So there's a there's a lot of upheaval. This changes PR plans. You've already got Microsoft and Ubisoft who have said they're doing digital. Uh, they're going to be doing digital events around the same time. And I expect that we're going to see a lot of other players follow suit on that. But there's all the ancillary things. There's all the food service workers. Uh, LA Live is so busy during... E3, that there is so much business that's done uh, at restaurants, at bars, event spaces for parties, like all of that has a ripple effect uh, or all that is is affected uh, by a cancellation of this size. And it's not like they could just move it later and be like, hey, we'll wait it out and we'll do it a couple months later. You know, the Los Angeles Convention Center is booked up. So I think this is going to have a profound effect. Um, I don't celebrate the cancellation of E3. I do hope this is an opportunity for the ESA to get right with itself. I think that the organization has not done right by its media partners. I think the data breach last year has not been fully addressed. I don't think we've ever heard the words, I'm sorry, or we're sorry, come out of anybody's mouth, especially uh, Stampier-Louis, who is the president. Um, He was given opportunities uh, on Spawn on Me, uh, Khalif opened the door for him to talk about it. And while Stan did say, hey, we need to do better, that's still not an apology for putting people at risk. 
Then you've got uh, all of the ways that E3 has treated a number of small sites. There was a conversation online earlier today about how difficult it was for even organizations like Able Gamers, which does such great work in the industry, for them to get to get badges, uh, and that there were staff who used to be at E3 who made sure that happened when others who were running the event did not. So I think that this is an opportunity. E3, the, the silver lining on this year's cancellation is this gives the ESA more than a year to re-envision re how the show works and bring it back in a format that meets expectations and meets both audiences doing something that helps trade that helps the press that that gives people the information but also determines a way to include the public and i don't know that that necessarily needs to be on site perhaps doing a local event that is for the industry and doing digital events that uh, are inclusive of uh the general public and, and the consumers uh who enjoy the industry would be the way to go. But whatever it is, you know, I really hope that, that when E3 2021 does come around, it does address so many of the concerns that have emerged over the past few years. Mike Futter, at Futterish on Twitter, is the former news editor for Game Informer magazine. We worked together then. Uh, he's a freelance writer today and the author of the Game Dev Business Handbook. This impending cancellation is due to concerns, obviously, related to the coronavirus and fear of international travel, which makes this the perfect place to plug a new, but hopefully temporary, Ride Home podcast. So, real quick, I want to just tell you about a new show in the Ride Home Podcast Network. It's called Coronavirus Daily Briefing. Like this show, it is a daily 15-minute long summation of a news topic. This is just a news topic much more immediate and serious than even what we talk about every day. We very much hope this will be a temporary show. But if you have been nervously refreshing all the feeds for more information about the coronavirus situation, this podcast is designed to keep you up to date. So search your podcast app and subscribe to the Coronavirus Daily Briefing. Okay, back to video game news. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Two K is making NFL games again, but don't expect Madden to get a direct competitor. For more than a decade, football fans have only known one video game franchise, Madden. But back in 2004 and a few years prior, the ESPN NFL series gave EA's juggernaut annualized sports series a yearly run for its money. 
Starting in 2005, however, EA was able to secure exclusive rights to the NFL license and Madden became the only professional football simulator available. Yesterday, however, publisher 2K announced it will be able to revisit the NFL license, but we shouldn't expect to see an ESPN NFL-style direct Madden competitor. My buddy, Matt Cotto, over at Game Informer, reported on the announcement for Game Informer and wrote, 2K has announced that it is indeed renewing its partnership with the NFL through a multi-year deal, although in a slightly different form than back in the glory days of the NFL 2K brand. 2K is planning multiple non-simulation football game experiences, according to the official press release, which are already in development and scheduled to release in 2021. What kind of games we can expect to see, what developers will be making them, and what platforms they will be available for is all stuff that is unclear right now. Kato also wrote in his story, although the deal's non-simulation stipulation seemingly all but rules out 2K once again challenging Electronic Arts' Madden NFL franchise, it is possible the new deal could pave the way for an NFL Blitz-style over-the-top take on the sport. In a similar vein, in 2018, 2K published the NBA Jam-inspired NBA Playgrounds 2 by Saber Interactive. I worked at GameStop retail stores all through high school and college and hosted lots of midnight openings for Madden releases and remember them being some of the busiest days of the year. And even though I'm not a football guy myself, I remember being very impressed with ESPN NFL 2K5's approach to getting in Madden's way. The two games came out on the same day, but ESPN was only $19.99, and nearly every person that came in to pick up Madden decided to grab a copy of ESPN as well when they learned it was only 20 bucks. And then the people who loved football but were frustrated by Madden's expensive yearly price tag, they all came in and picked up ESPN as well because in 2004, 20 bucks for any game was a steal. ESPN NFL 2K5 still has an impressive community around it that mods the game to this day to reflect modern football stats and the like. So I hope this deal cracks the door open a little bit for 2K to publish a Madden competitor in the future. Right now, it's still very unlikely, but it's always good to foster competition among competing games and publishers and game developers. Spelunky 2 gets a small update. Spelunky 2, the follow-up to the randomized cave-exploring mega-hit from developer Derek Yu, received a small update today. Yu shared some new screenshots on the PlayStation blog, which is linked in the show notes, but he also wrote about the team's intention to expand Deathmatch and how there will be a focus on meeting new characters. Yu wrote, We're tying that feeling of progressing through the caves into the feeling of building a small community of friends and family. We know the game is coming to PlayStation 4, but we've been waiting for more concrete details regarding release dates, etc. But unfortunately, it looks like we will be waiting a little bit longer as you finished out the blog writing, although we're not quite ready to announce a release date, we're getting closer and closer, finally getting to implement the deepest parts of Spelunky 2 that have been collecting dust in my notepad for years. One of the game's early trailers said the game was coming out in 2019, which obviously didn't happen, but hopefully it will make it out this year for PlayStation 4 and potentially PlayStation 5 as well. Here's what released today. The big one today is Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which is $29.99. Alternatively, it is included with Xbox Games Pass if you subscribe to that service for $14.99 a month. 
Will of the Wisps, which is kind of a hard thing to say, is a sequel to the 2015 game Ori and the Blind Forest, which is a gorgeous 2D platformer with Metroid inspirations. Will of the Wisps has somehow managed to be even more beautiful. And I say this as a person who plays a lot of video games and looks at a lot of video games, so I hope you don't take this as excessive hyperbole, but it is seriously one of the most beautiful games I have ever seen. It's incredible. I have had a 4K TV for years, but this is the first time I've ever really felt like I'm seeing a substantial benefit to the technology. And I think it's mostly due to the diverse color palette and the way light streams through the trees. It really, it just looks absolutely incredible. It also plays great. I sometimes base the quality of a game on how willing I am to forego sleep in order to play, and this is a game that kept me up very late last night. I think it's one I would like to give a proper review to here on the podcast, which is something I want to do periodically, but my early impressions are very positive. There have been reports of the pre-release version of the game experience severe issues, Ben Kuchera, for example, over at Polygon wrote, After playing the pre-release version of Ori and seeing what condition it is currently in, however, and receiving an official list of known issues that should be fixed in the game's day one patch, we've decided to hold the publication of the game's review. I didn't play a pre-release version myself and was able to start with the day one patch, and so far, about two to three hours in, I haven't run into any issues. That doesn't mean there aren't issues. I could just be very lucky, but I wouldn't let reports like that scare you off. The day one patch seems like it addressed a lot of issues. Ori and the Will of the Wisps is currently sitting at a 91 on Metacritic, which is an impressive score. Also, speaking of Metacritic, the review embargo lifted last night for Neo 2, though the game doesn't come out until March 13th. It's currently sitting at a very respectable 86 on Metacritic. Neo 2 is the Dark Souls-inspired action game from Team Ninja, a studio predominantly known for the Dead or Alive fighting series and the Ninja Gaiden series. I have some small corrections here. One is from me when I accidentally uploaded the wrong file for yesterday's episode. So for about 40 minutes after the new episode launched, it was the wrong file. You heard the the prior day's episode. So sorry about that. Hopefully you didn't miss yesterday's episode. As a result, it should be all fixed now. I mispronounced the name of Ubisoft's CEO, according to Kezia Neal at Dorkchild on Twitter. His first name is pronounced Eve. I also asked about the first part of this sound effect yesterday, which is from the Lego Nintendo announcement to see if anyone knew what it might be. And Adam Cohen at SirBron227 on Twitter said, I'm not 100%, but I think that first sound effect you played today is the music when you hit an item box in Mario Kart and it's cycling through the potential items. And you know what? I think they might be totally right. That's it for video game news today. I played a bunch of Ori and the Will of the Wisps last night, which I already talked about, but I also streamed a bunch of Call of Duty Warzone with MinMax yesterday, and I had a great time. I think... The servers got hit pretty hard when the free-to-play version went live, and it took me forever to download it myself, but I liked what I played a lot. It plays a bit like a better-looking version of Blackout, and I really liked the Gulag, which is the mechanic that lets you potentially get back into the match by placing you in a 1v1 shootout. It, It does help that my first match, I had some fun kills, like 
getting in a helicopter early and I caught someone who was parachuting in from the airplane in my blades and got a kill. And then I and then I took someone out driving an ATV around with a rocket launcher, which was super fun. I ended up getting super distracted by Ori and the Will of the Wisps last night when that became available to play, but I definitely want to play more Warzone and check out Plunder too. I haven't played that yet. There's really very little reason not to recommend it considering it's free to just check out. If you have corrections or just feedback in general, feel free to send me tweets or DMs to either at Kyle M. Hilliard or at Gaming Ride Home, or you can send an email to kyle at ridehome.info. And please consider leaving a review for the podcast wherever you listen to it. You can also check out my Twitch account, Kyle Impersonator, where I am playing through Black Mesa right now. And you can find me on the MinMax show for more long-form video game discussion. I will talk to you more about video games tomorrow. <laughs>